all of us know by now that life is full of daily decisions, and we talked last week about how very important each one of those decisions are and how very important each moment that we spend with each other is. And we're talking in terms of the family, but you know what? In terms of being a Christian, the decisions we're making every day right now, (laughs) they're tough, very important. Which side of the fence are you standing on? On this issue and on that issue. Some of the things we're having to decide right now are just downright, I mean, nasty. And it's always easier to make your decisions once you've had a time to check out all the options first. Coach Bear Bryant, one time, he was getting his hair cut on a Monday afternoon after a devastating loss on Saturday. And his barber said halfway through the cut, he said, you know what, Coach, I probably wouldn't put that freshman quarterback in the game last Saturday. I think that's what cost us the ball game. And Coach Bryant said immediately, you know, if I'd had until Monday morning to decide, I probably wouldn't have done it either. And the point is, sometimes that's how our decisions come, fast like that, on the fly. And we don't have time to think it over. That's why it's so important to study options up front while you have the chance so that when it comes time to decide whether or not you're going to follow Jesus in this direction, you've already decided. Now, I know not everybody in here is a sports fan, but I think most of us are. But I will tell you this. I don't want to offend you, but I think at best most of us in here, unless we're Cincinnati fans, Cincinnati Red fans, we're we're fickle. You know what I mean? We like a winner. I, I was thinking about this in terms of the Indianapolis Colts. When they first got here, Man, we watched them every week. They got pounded and beat. There wasn't 10,000 people in those stands. Then we got Peyton Manning as a quarterback. Within a couple, three years, you couldn't find a a Colts ticket. We bought the hats and the mugs and the socks and the ties. and uh, It was amazing because we love winners. They start losing like they are now, and they keep losing like they are now. I bet we go right back the way it was because at best we are fair-weather fans. I mean, we'll cheer you on. And we'll buy your stuff as long as you're winning, as long as they're cutting the nets down every now and then, as long as they're hanging a banner up the rafters every once in a while. We'll be there. We'll jump on the fan wagon. But you test our commitment and keep losing, we can jump off just as quick. It's been eight years now. We did a sermon series from Kyle Eidelman called uh, Not a Fan. I don't know if you remember that or not. Now would be so appropriate to talk about that again, and and maybe we will. I don't know. I'm praying about it. But what we found out in that series is that being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus are two different things. We also found out that being a follower of Jesus is the way you want to go. And thirdly, we found out that following Jesus is tough, tough business. And I'm telling you, it's tougher now than it ever has been. And that, my friends, is why there's so many fans and so few followers. I want to talk to you about commitment this morning because that is the true test of whether or not you're a fan of Christ or a follower of Christ. And trust me, we need to be followers. The world needs us to be followers. Being a fan of Jesus is pretty easy, especially if Jesus is holding up his end of the bargain. If money's good, the job's okay, you haven't got any COVID at your house yet, your marriage is going good, kids are thriving, things are good, you're going to be committed. You're going to be a fan. You come to church once in a while. Pray before you eat, you know, uh, maybe even read the Bible once in a while. But sometimes, if we're not careful, you just let that commitment be tested. Kids start going nuts on you. Money's all of a sudden drying up. She leaves. He's gone. The doctor didn't give you the report you expected to get. And before you know it, you found out real quickly, I'm not such a follower after all. Turns out I'm just a fan. 
Jesus had a way of finding out when he'd get a crowd of people together who was the fan and who was the follower. And most of the time he did this with the test of commitment. For example, he'd say, unless you hate your father and mother in comparison to me, you can't be my follower. In other words, he'd cut this line right down the middle and he'd say, parents on this side, Jesus on this side, there's your test of commitment. One, one real clear example of this is in John chapter 6 when he fed 5,000 people. I mean, the people are dancing and singing and celebrating his name. People love freebies, man. People compromise a lot of stuff for freebies. But as soon as he got the crowd quieted, he said in John chapter 6, verse 53, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me, you can't follow me. What happened then? Well, the crowd took off on him, dispersed. He found out real quick through the test of commitment who was a fan and who was a follower. It's always been about commitment. It's the same thing in your life and my life. How committed are we to Jesus Christ? Now, the question then becomes immediately, what level of commitment is he asking for? Well, he answers that in Luke 14, 33. And let me just tell you again, I don't want you to get upset with me, but I think this is the reason why our churches are so weak today and so shallow. We are this wide and this deep, and we have got to change this. Here's the level of commitment Jesus is looking for, fairly all-inclusive. He says, any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple, cannot be my follower. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus, did you just say everything? Yeah, everything. Well, what about, yeah. <laughs> well, what about, yeah. Well, what about, him? yeah. What about her? Yeah, everything. If you don't give up everything, Jesus said, you can't be my follower. You say, wait a minute, Cain, is this do you want us to deny ourselves or give up everything? The answer is yes. This is our test of commitment here. What am I holding back? Am I giving total surrender to Jesus Christ or am I not? Am I hedging my bet? Am I holding something back? When the line of commitment is drawn in the sand and Jesus says, I want you to live this way, but you want to live this way, which side of that line do you fall on? It's all about commitment. It always has been. That's just the way it is. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said this, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, we hear that text and we think, that is sweet, man. That sounds poetic. Sign me up. Get me one of those uh, little gold chains with a cross on a small one with a little diamond, nothing flashy, and I'll just wear that puppy around my neck, you know? But I want to tell you something. The people that heard him talking about this that day, there's nothing sweet about this to them. Nothing poetic at all. These people wouldn't have thought any more about wearing a cross around their neck than you and I would think about wearing a gold or silver electric chair around our neck because to them the cross was all about torture and punishment and death. It wasn't a symbol that you hung on the wall of your house someplace. And so when Jesus gave them this invitation, come and pick up a cross and follow me, there was nothing positive in that at all. Now I realize today when somebody wants to make their their product attractive to the public. They spend thousands and thousands of hours on coming up with a logo that will draw people's attention. Jesus doesn't do any of that. He said, you want to follow me? You take up one of these. It's a cross, and it represents helplessness, and it represents suffering, and it represents sacrifice, and it represents defeat. And you want to follow me? You pick up one of those. And the question is, do you want to or not? You want to be a fan or a follower? Because there are millions of Jesus fans running around. Very few followers. And that's what we need to be. 
You say, well, uh, what's it take to pick up our cross? That's a good question too. Number one, it takes obedience. That's why the Word says take up. This is a willing thing. Nobody's going to force you to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. You get to make this decision. It's a wonderful thing. question is, how many people are actually doing this today? And the answer is, not very many. Not very many at all. And it blows my mind because it's such a simple, uh, wonderful invitation of grace. And it's found in John chapter 15. And if you don't hear anything else I say today, I'll look up here just for a minute. Read John chapter 15 today, please. If you're an average reader, five minutes. John 15, and then spend all week talking to Jesus. He said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you're not going to believe what's going to happen. This is a choice of obedience. Are you going to join him or not? Secondly, taking up a cross is going to mean suffering and sacrifice. Uh, Again, this is why so few people are doing it today. I mean, listen to me. I'm I'm being honest with you. You cannot carry a cross without some suffering. It can't happen. You can't carry a cross without some sacrifice. And that ought to be clear enough in this passage of Scripture. But in case it isn't, let me read you another one. Luke 6, 22. Jesus said, blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of me. He said in verse 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you. I got that one covered. Not all men speak well of Jim Cain, and that's a good thing because Jesus said, let me tell you something. When everybody's on your side, when you never upset anybody, especially in these days, when you're taking a stand, when the line between right and wrong is right down the middle, if nobody's excluding you and giving you a hard time, something's wrong here. I've told you several times, they told us at a preaching summit years ago, when you're preaching, boys, if you don't make somebody mad once in a while, you've sold out. Because the Word of God's intrusive. You preach it, you don't make people mad. And I'm telling you, it's the same thing in your Christian walk, especially today. If you're going to walk the talk these days, you're going to get people upset. Which leads to a very good time for a self-examination question, and that is this. When was the last time Jesus following Jesus, following Jesus, cost me something? Some suffering. When when was the last time I sacrificed by following Jesus? And listen, by sacrifice, I don't mean, when was the last time I went ahead and got up and went to church when I was tired? When was the last time I wore my mask into church? When was the last time I didn't have any change, so I had to put the whole 20 in the plate? I'm talking about when's the last time following Jesus cost me a relationship? When's the last time it cost me a promotion? When's the last time following Jesus caused me to stop doing this that I really wanted to do because he told me not to do it? When's the last time following Jesus called the people in my classroom or in the cubicle of my work, rolled their eyes at me? When's the last time following Jesus caused somebody to say something ugly to me on Twitter or Facebook? When's the last time following Jesus caused my neighbors not to talk to me because I'm a Christian? When's the last time it cost me anything? Because I'm telling you, if it's not costing you any suffering or any sacrifice at all, you've got to ask, are you really carrying a cross or not? Because I don't think you are. We had a little girl, I say little, she was 16, in a youth group years ago. She wanted to be baptized. We asked her mom and dad, and they said no. In fact, they said, absolutely no. We asked them several times, and every time they said no. So we started praying and reading in the Scripture. And we found, for example, the Bible says that we're to obey the laws of the land unless it goes against God. For a silly example, uh, I wear my mask. I hate the mask. But the 
The law says I got to wear the mask. I can't find any place in the Bible where it says thou shalt not wear a mask. So I got to follow what they tell me to do. So we took that kind of illustration, that kind of idea over to obey your parents as long as they don't go against the law of God. The Bible says obey your parents, but the Bible also says repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Long story short, we baptized her anyway, and her parents were livid. And it's too bad because we were close to them, and they didn't speak to me for years. But, you know, I had such mixed emotions after that baptism because on the one side, I felt so bad for her that it cost her that much. And on the other side, I felt jealous of her that she had given up something like that for Jesus Christ. I want to be known as somebody who gives something up for Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, there's Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that warns us and tells us that if you're going to take up a cross and follow Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer and you're going to sacrifice. And I wanted to remind you of that because a lot of times we observe the Passover on those Scriptures. We pass right over them. We want the preacher to preach about grace and happy things. Well, these scriptures are in here too, 2 Timothy 3.12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How many church? Everybody. You want to live a godly life for Christ right now? You want to stand up for what the Bible says in these times? You're going to get persecuted. Philippians 1.29. It's been granted to you on behalf of Jesus Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his name. Paul says, not only do you get a chance to believe in the Son of God, you get a chance to suffer for Him. I don't know, maybe we ought to change our invitation on Sunday mornings. Instead of just inviting people to come and accept Jesus as their person, Lord, and Savior, to let them know when they're at it, that they can also come and suffer and sacrifice for His name. Because the, the truth is, if you're going to come to Jesus Christ, there comes with it a willingness to die. Because that's what happens when you carry a cross. And if you're not sacrificing anything, and you're not suffering at all right now for Jesus Christ, you've got to get quiet someplace and ask yourself, am I a fan, a fickle fan, or am I a true follower of Jesus Christ? I love the way guy, this guy puts it. Jesus have many who love his mansions in heaven, but few who will bear his cross. He has many who desire comfort, but few who desire suffering. He finds many to cheer at his feasts, but few who are willing to fast. All desire to rejoice with him, but few are willing to suffer at his side. Many admire his miracles, but few follow him in the humiliation of the cross. What are you going to do, family? How deep you want to go? You want to be a fan or a follower? There was a report in MSNBC, an interview with her. The gal's name, I think, was Christy Pugh. She was 20 years old, and, and she was the new, the new age of vegetarians. I've never forgot. It was, it was hilarious. Th this is what she says. She says, I, I, I usually eat vegetarian, but I like bacon. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, but I eat bacon. I was thinking, hey, that's me. I'm a vegetarian unless there's beef on the menu or pork or chicken or fish or something like that. I mean, how silly is this? And listen, the true vegetarians didn't like this at all, so they renamed themselves flexitarians. They're vegetarians and, unless they want to eat meat. And again, that's me. I'm a vegetarian unless meat's being served, then I eat it. I mean, how silly is this? They're saying I'm a vegetarian unless there's something else I want to do. I'm a vegetarian unless there's something else I want to eat. And I'm just telling you, I'm, it's been my observation from a minister and from a person walking around that there's way too many flecks of Christians running around right now. 
I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm committed to Him, unless there's something I want to do that He's telling me not to do. Unless I'm with this group of people. Unless I'm doing this over here. And then I'm not so 100% committed. Christy said in this interview, I really like vegetarian food, but I'm not 100% committed. I really love Jesus Christ, but I'm not 100% committed. I, I, I love Jesus Christ, but, you know, uh, I don't want to give all my money away. <laughs> I don't want to come to church every week. I don't want to go if they've got to wear a mask. I mean, it's okay to go to Walmart and parties and all these other things, but church is a dangerous place. So, you know, I'm okay with Jesus. I want to be committed to Jesus unless I've got to stop this or unless I've got to do this. I'm okay with Jesus unless I'm hanging out with them, unless I'm doing this. Following Jesus Christ you're either going to follow Him or you're going to be a fan of Him. And if you're going to be a follower of Him, you're committed to Him. You do what He tells you to do. Which leads to number three, you do it daily. And we've got to say daily because, listen, taking up your cross is one thing, but taking up your cross every day? <laughs> what if I was to tell Angie, I'm going to commit to you uh, to be married to you until about 35 years, uh, 36 years, and I'd like to start dating around. Not much of a commitment either. I don't think it would have worked either. Somebody asked George Burns how he managed to stay married to the same woman for 60 years. He said, we found a secret. We have two intimate dinners a week. I go Monday, she goes Thursday. <laughs> I mean, come on. The challenging part of following Jesus is not to say I'll die for you. The challenging part is to say I'll die daily. I will live for you, Jesus, but I'll die for you. And my question is, is that you or not? I'm going to read some statistics, and then we're going to take communion. I'm going to read them because there's too many of them to put in my memory, so I'm just going to read them to you, okay? George Barna, so this is a pretty accurate survey. He polled thousands of people. In this survey, he found that non-Christians aged 16 to 29 estimated that 5% of these non-Christians said they knew at least one committed Christian, but only 15% of them said the lifestyle of the committed Christian was any different than their other friends. He also found 65% of 18 to 40-year-olds have actually made a personal commitment to Jesus. 65%, that sounds pretty good. 73% of those people over the age of 42 have made a personal commitment to Jesus. Again, that sounds pretty good until you listen to this. 29% of the 18-year-olds at 40s and only 48% of the 42-year-olds said that they were absolutely committed to Christianity. Flex of Christians. Amazing. So he took it one more level. He asked how many of them were committed to a biblical worldview. Now, uh, to be committed to a biblical worldview, you have to believe these eight things. See if you are committed or not. Jesus lived a sinless life. God is all-knowing, all-powerful, creator of the universe, still rules today. Salvation is a gift from God. It can't be earned. Satan is real. Hell is real. Christians have a responsibility to share their faith. The Bible is accurate. All of its principles, unchanging moral truth exists, and absolute truth is defined in the Bible. The number of these 42-year-olds that held a biblical worldview was 9%. It's crazy. 9%. And the number of the 18 to 41-year-olds, 3%. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Unbelievable. Listen to me. This is like sitting down with the preacher uh, and you're going over the wedding vows and, and the bride-to-be says to me, well, I like the vows here, preacher, but could we take out that part for rich or poor? 
I'd like to take that out. And husband says, yeah, 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 the vows are good too. I hear what she's saying. Can we take out the let's be faithful until death do us part? We want to be committed, but we want to negotiate the terms. And I think if we're not careful, we do that as Christians too. I, want, I find myself committed to Jesus Christ. It's very important to me, but I'd like to make a few changes. I'd like to live this way. I'd like to do this thing. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You're either all in or you're not. You're either going to be committed to me or you're a fan of me, and you get to choose. One more thing, George Burns research, man, this one's really troubling. He found that these hundreds of people, there wasn't much difference at all between a Christian and a non-Christian. In fact, oh, this is what he called it, statistically equivalent. When asked to identify their activities over the last 30 days, Christians were statistically just as likely as non-Christians to have gambled, to have visited a pornographic website, to have taken something that didn't belong to them, to have been involved in physical abuse, to have been legally drunk, to have said something that wasn't true. They were just as likely to, mean, to say mean things behind somebody else's back. There was no statistical difference. That means if you were put in a room right now with 200 people and 100 were Christian and 100 non-Christian and it was your job to determine which was which, you wouldn't be able to get the job done. And that's where we're at. And this is not a bit of fun sermon. It's time for us to grow up, man. The world's counting on us. I'm not going to blame this on Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. I'd like to. I'm not going to blame it on Trump and the Republicans. This is the church. And it's time for us to change things. Our family is counting on us. Our community is counting on us. And if we don't grow up and start following Christ and bringing others along, we're in a mess. We're in a mess. I'm glad that's over. Listen to me. This is why I go to this table every week. That's why I fall on my knees in prayer and tears every week is because this table reminds me that my salvation is not locked up in what I just preached to you. You're not saved by picking up your cross and following Christ. You're not saved by giving up that thing and stopping that thing. You're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's amazing. But when you think about it, doesn't that make you want to be a follower? Come up this morning or stay, stay in your seat, whatever you're comfortable with. I'm telling you, this is cleanse up here. You're missing out. Bring your communion up here and say, Lord God, I just can't believe that no matter how things turn out in my life, I'm saved. I love you for that. And based on that, I want to be a follower. I'm tired of being a fan. Spend some time with me.